Off the ball on News Talk in association with the Air Sport app, allowing you to cast your favourite sporting action from your tablet or mobile phone straight to your TV. All right, you're very welcome back. 53106 is how you get in touch with us via text or you can tweet us at Off the Ball on Twitter. Michael Carlson's on the line to talk NFL ahead of the final week of the regular season. Michael, good evening to you. Okay, how are you? Not too bad, thanks. I like that formal Michael. That's good. No yeah. more Iron Mike or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my trademark for you this evening, Michael Carlson. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to look ahead to what's going to happen in the final week of the regular season. There's still a few more places, uh, certainly wildcard places, to sort out uh, before the end and before we get into the playoffs. But I suppose we can kind of look back on the 2017 NFL regular season as kind of a shifting of the guard almost because we've had this golden generation of quarterbacks. And this is the position we're going to focus on here, Mike, because we've had our Aaron Rodgers, we've had our Tom Brady's, we've had in the past Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. And unfortunately, this generation is coming to, to an end to a certain extent we're just enjoying the end of the Tom Brady era for example but we've started to see the next generation in this regular season which hasn't always been the case it's been tough to be a young quarterback in the NFL in recent years but this seems to have been the regular season that's broken that mold yeah it's been a very strange one in part because you had um, you know a number of starting quarterbacks quality starting quarterbacks go down injured during during the year, um, and some of them you know lost for the year, like say Carson Palmer, and they also lost their main offensive weapon in David Johnson. You've had a couple of veteran quarterbacks reaching what you might say would be the end of the line, but it's probably more a case of like with Eli Manning of an old veteran quarterback in a system that doesn't really suit him anymore, uh, and he's more limited in in how he can adjust. You've had a few teams who don't seem to be able to make up their mind who they want to be their quarterback, like the Cleveland Browns, uh, Buffalo, for an example, who you know benched Tyrod Taylor um, for Nathan Peterman and had him throw five interceptions in, in 10 minutes. Um, and then you've had the young quarterbacks getting their chances. Um, already. The most, most notably, I think, Deshaun Watson, who didn't get the starting job um, in preseason for the Houston Texans came in at halftime of the first game when Tom Savage performed exactly as everybody except the coach Bill O'Brien knew he would, um, played really well in that second half. His record was only 3-3 three and three as a starter, but he was exciting. He, he led the team to an amazing uh, game in, in Seattle, and then he was hurt and lost for the season, which left you know, Seattle out, out hanging. But I think getting to the point you were making, with the young quarterbacks in the league, which rookies and, and – uh, guys who were backups in New England this season because uh, both Jimmy Garoppolo and, and uh, Jacoby Brissett were, were starting on other teams uh, which after being on New England's roster at the start of the year. But it, it, it's a learning curve for quarterbacks, and it's one of the, it's one of the anomalies of, of the NFL is that the best quarterbacks from college wind up usually going to the worst teams, mm. which makes that adjustment to the NFL that much harder. And we've seen that with a lot of guys this season. Yeah, you mentioned the learning curve there, Mike. How has it been narrowed down a little bit? It's not as steep, it certainly seems to me anyway, in previous years that the transition between college football and the NFL, that transition isn't as steep as we've seen previously. Why is that? Well, it it is and it isn't. I mean, in the cases where it isn't, some NFL teams run 
offenses which are more like college offenses these days with with more spread concepts and and a lot more work from the shotgun as as a lot of quarterbacks do uh, the biggest difference is that the defenders are so much better uh in the NFL they're they're bigger they're faster they're better coached because they're full-time uh, professionals as opposed to part-time professionals in college, um, and therefore you have you have to learn what you can and can't do. You have to you have to learn um, about a, about uh, beating the pass rush and timing the pass rush and what balls you can and can't throw. Coaching is really important in this, but there aren't that many coaches who can nurse a rookie quarterback through. Um, there are guys who rise to the occasion like Deshaun Watson. I don't think for a minute that it was Bill O'Brien who, who like eased Deshaun Watson in. I think Watson has that ability like Russell Wilson did when he was a rookie, like Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott did to an extent when he was a rookie, to be able to manufacture things, to keep the play in front of him while he makes time for himself to make those decisions, which are the key point. Decision-making is the key point to a quarterback. Arm strength, I think, is highly overrated, and, and decision-making is, is highly underrated when, when people evaluate quarterbacks. Um, but if, for the others, when, when you put them in, they're, you know, they're generally playing behind an inferior line with inferior weapons against the better better teams more often than not. You you see that say with Deshaun Kaiser this season in particular Brissett in Indianapolis, although he's not a rookie, only had one one real start in the NFL before that. And coaching is really important too, because you often wonder whether coaches can uh bring bring a quarterback along, can make it simple for them. And if you want a comparison, look at Jared Goff under Jeff Fisher in Los Angeles, and then this year under Sean McVay. Now, of course, he had a year experience, and that helped him out a lot. But in an offense that favors him, and that you know, and that uh, gets the best out of him or works to his strengths, he's been he's been phenomenal. And um, you know, on the other hand, look at the Giants, for example, and and Eli Manning, the veteran, who they just can't seem to get the best out of. They drafted a guy called Davis Webb, who may get to play in Week 17, which would be a nice thing because they need to know what he can or can't do, even in you know even if he only gets this one this one opportunity to show them. But they didn't seem to make an, a, a big effort to to bring him along. And and even with veteran quarterbacks, you you see veteran coaches just leading them backwards. Uh, Marcus Mariota in Tennessee, for example. Mm. I, I want to pick up on Jared Goff there in just a moment. But before I do that, just to rewind a little bit, and we look at the golden quarterback era that I started off by mentioning, the Bradys, the Mannings, the Breeze, the Rogers. What conditions created that environment where we had this golden generation of quarterback? Well, you know, they came up over a long Manning and Manning and Brady came up at roughly the same time. Um, you know, Breeze... Uh, then, then Rogers. You Manning is one of those guys who went in as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he had a horrible rookie season. Um, although, when you look at like rookie quarterback seasons, a horrible rookie season is kind of in the mid middle of the pack <laughs> for rookie quarterbacks. But there was no question he was going to he was going to start from day one, just like his brother has done um, in New York, and never missed a start, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Given the, given the length of his career, um, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli, and, and Philip Rivers came in the same year, um, and they've all had they've all had long and productive careers. But you could think that Brady, because he was a low draft pick and had to work his way up, 
had time on the bench behind Drew Bledsoe. Rodgers had a lot of time on the bench behind um, Brett Favre. And that and the fact that they were going to good teams made that easier for them. Drew Brees, for example, as well, um, traded as a, you know, played at San Diego, then traded to the, to the Saints and went into what was a pretty good team with a great offensive situation for him. I don't know if there's been a better blend of a head coach and quarterback thinking the same way as, as Brees and, and Sean Payton. So, you know, there's, there, there is no perfect formula for for these things. Um, but in an ideal world, you would, you would, get a rookie quarterback and you would give him time to learn and you would give the team around him time to be a decent team and then put him in. Ben Roethlisberger, remember, played as a rookie for the Steelers. Uh, didn't lose a game. I think he has a 12-game winning streak or something as a, as a rookie quarterback, which is still a record. But they didn't make him do very much. He was handing the ball off to Jerome Bettis more often than not, you know, and they won the Super Bowl, and I think he was nine for twenty one passing in the in the Super Bowl when when they won it but you know that's that's an example of what you can do when you have a guy going into a good team and you don't ask him to do too much, and then the next year all of a sudden you can ask him to do a lot more because he's got that confidence that certainly is something we can compare with when you look at the LA Rams right now, isn't it because I don't want to say Jared Goff's game has been simplified, but certainly Sean McVay has allowed him to focus on his positives. And suddenly you're looking at a, at a quarterback who could become one of the best in the league. You're absolutely right. Um, and, you know, and the, the difference between him and Carson Wentz coming out of college um, two, two years ago, I liked Wentz better. They, most people liked Goff better, but didn't, you know, weren't crazy about the system he'd played in, but they liked his physical skills. And McVeigh has put him into a system that's a lot more like the one he played in, in college. Plus, he had these weapons around him that Jeff Fisher just didn't know how to use. Todd, Todd Gurley, um, look at last week. He had this huge receiving game coming out of the backfield on, on relatively simple plays that they execute really well. Jeff Fisher saw Todd Gurley as another Eddie George, who he'd run 25 times into the middle of the line for three yards to carry. They had Tavon Austin, who was a gadget player for them, and he's still kind of a gadget player, but you know they're using him a little more creatively. They've got Cooper Cup, a rookie receiver, who's done really well for them. But the, my favorite meme of the um, season was a photograph taken of um, Jared, Goff, Jared Goff and Case Keenum, who also played for the Rams last season and has had a great season in Minnesota this year. And they were embracing after the, the uh, game between Los Angeles and Minnesota. And the caption over it was, I, I think it was Keenum saying to Goff, you don't have to be frightened anymore. Jeff <laughs> Fisher can't hurt us. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Like Keenum is an amazing one in itself. Like there might be a piece in that if uh, Minnesota go deep into the playoffs, we might get you on again to chat about that. But just to finish up and just a, a couple of words on the NFC, you look at the LA Rams clinching the NFC West for the first time in 14 years. And I can remember we had Mina Kimes on the show at the start of the regular season. And while things looked pretty promising on the pitch for the LA Rams, you saw the empty stadiums and you were thinking to yourself, do LA really care about football whatsoever? But it seems that the city potentially is now ready for some football. I hope so. You know, even in the, in the glory days of the Rams, um, back, back in the early 50s and then again in the 60s when George Allen was there and Chuck Knox was there, Los Angeles has never really been a pro football city. Hmm. Um, college football was the glamour game in America up through the 1950s, and it remained that way in L.A. The USC-UCLA game is still the big thing 
in in the Rose Bowl in in or in the Coliseum in in Los Angeles. So yeah, I really do hope the Rams can get some attention. I feel sorry for the poor Chargers who you know are playing in a in a college soccer field in uh, in Dominguez Hills out in Car- Carson in the in the suburbs, uh, and then they're going to wind up sharing the the Rams Stadium the way the Jets do the Giants. You know, and um, it's not a great situation a great situation for them. But this is the kind of team. This Rams team that's like those early 50s Rams teams and the early, maybe even the early 60s Roman Gabriel ones where it's a really exciting offense to watch mm. and they can really light it up. But the, one of the differences is this team also has a really good defense. And, you know, one of the smartest things Sean McVay did was um, or, or or his general manager was to get Wade Phillips back in as a defensive coordinator when the when the Broncos wouldn't sort of pay him to keep him. And um, Phillips has done a great job with that defense, and, and it's it's a balanced team. They're going to be really strong going going into the playoffs. And um, it's you know, the interesting they handled, they could handle Seattle. And if Seattle can squeeze into the playoffs, because they need to win and they also need a loss by Atlanta to get in. Um, but if Seattle can squeeze in, nobody's really going to want to play Seattle in the no. playoffs, even, even if, if there are, if, even if Seattle's on the road, but the Rams have shown that they can play with them. And that, that's been a great step for them. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've kind of painted the NFC picture there nicely for us, Mike. On the AFC side of things, you mentioned the Chargers themselves and Buffalo Bills are still in the hunt, but they're going to be hoping uh, for the Ravens and Titans to drop out. The interesting story this week, though, from the AFC has been between the Steelers and the Patriots, who I think everybody's expecting to meet in the championship game there. Uh, James Harrison, the, the former Steelers linebacker, was let go. Uh, he was cut from the, the Steelers roster. To be fair, he's 39 years old at this point. But lo and behold, Bill Belichick has picked him up. Were you surprised by this, Mike? No, not at all. Um, in fact, a week ago when the news came out and I was doing the NFL show uh, with Nat, um, I said, you know, he'd, he'd be a perfect fit for New England. I wouldn't be surprised to see him there. And Greg Rosenthal said, you know, kind of poo-pooed that. And, and what they thought, I think, around the NFL Network was that he would re-sign with the Steelers after a week when they'd, they'd sorted out their roster spots. Okay. Um, and then all the bloviators, you know, the, 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 the chips, and, and the Knicks and um, all those guys who were on those panel shows were all saying, oh, this is Belichick bringing him in to glean intelligence about yeah. the Steelers. Well, is that true? Um, first off is he doesn't need intelligence about the Steelers. <laughs> they've, they've played each other enough times and they've got film to watch and, you know, and they know what the Steelers do and, and what they're going to want to do. But the reason I say he's a perfect fit, if you think back to last year's playoffs, the Steelers had a lot of injuries. And Harrison wound up basically playing defensive end for them and did really well as a pa- in the pass rush. I think he had two and a half sacks in their, in their three playoff games. He's not anymore quick enough to be an outside linebacker in Pittsburgh's 3-4 defense, which requires you to cover uh, people. He's just too slow to, to cover. But, and Pittsburgh only used him, I think it was only 40 snaps this season was all he was playing. So it wasn't really that huge a surprise that they, they would cut him if, if he was anyone but James Harrison. Um, New England will look at him, and New England now plays a four-man line, um, a flexible four-man line, but basically a four-man line. They're going to look at him as a guy they can use situationally in pass rush situations who still can hold the edge, which means not let 
blockers get around him and, and get let runners go to the outside. But they don't have a, a really good pass rusher. Trey Flowers is probably their best. He's been hurt a lot this year. They've had a huge number of injuries and Rob Ninkovich's retirement at the defensive end position. And think about Ninkovich, who was, I think, 35 and looked really bad in last year's Super Bowl when he had to go out in one-on-one coverage um, as, as a linebacker. They're, they're going to use Harris in the way, kind of the way they used Chris Long last year, and he's not as good as Chris Long in terms of pass rush, but he'll serve that purpose. And when he's in, teams are going to have to at least pay attention to him as a pass rusher. It's going to allow them to use some of their linebackers, like Kyle Van Noy, inside where they belong rather than putting them on the edge as rushers, and I think it just made complete sense for them to do it. What do they, what do they have him for? One game, and then the playoffs. So you know, at most five games. He's thirty nine years old, but he's only played forty snaps all season. He's in immensely huge physical condition, mm. um, which doesn't always translate to on field football yeah. condition. But but in his case, I think it does. It's it's a win. You know, it's a no risk situation for them. He doesn't work out. They can always cut him. They don't have to re sign him for next year. Um, and if he does feel like he wants to um, give a big, uh, what would we say, F you to um, Pittsburgh, if the two teams meet in the um, in the, the conference championship game in New England, mm. I wouldn't want to be a Pittsburgh tackle having to block James Harrison <laughs> if he's in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody does, Mike. It's going to be a very interesting one. As you say, it could well be the AFC Championship game. We've got our first big talking point from that one, but it's a few weeks out yet. Enjoy the final uh, week of the regular season, Mike, and we'll be talking to you soon, no doubt. No, thanks, mate. I hope so. Off the ball. On News Talk. In association with the Air Sport app, allowing you to cast your favourite sporting action from your tablet or mobile phone straight to your TV. 